Well, good morning, Hope Community Church. It is uh, it's a good day to be in church. And we are wrapping up April. Can you believe we're already at the end of April? And so um, we're still in this conversation we have about being full. We started last week and we're going to continue talking about it today. But first, I want to welcome all those watching online, our online community. Welcome our Berkeley Springs Church and especially our new church in Concord, New Hampshire. And uh, I'm really excited about that. And so got some good news. Uh, we're really close to a launch service happening there and uh, excited about what God is doing uh, about nine and a half hours away. And so uh, be praying for that uh, campus and, and the leaders and team there. But um, we're excited about it. Things are moving forward. So um, looking forward to uh, all that God is going to do through Concord, uh, New Hampshire, Hope Community Church in Concord, New Hampshire. Sounds good, doesn't it? Amen. Hey, we're going to read from two separate uh, portions of scripture today from uh, a portion of scripture in Galatians and a portion of scripture in Ephesians. And I'll give you a little background uh, between both of them. But we're going to uh, lean into this idea of being full. So what I want you to do before we stand up to, um, uh, to read the scripture, we do that in honor of the word. I want you to look at your neighbor. Go ahead, just look at him and say you're full of it. Tell him, tell him, say you're full of, to actually tell him you're full of something. We're going to figure out what that is here in a second. But you could go ahead and say you're full of it. If I had to title this today, it would be, it'll be called full of it. So I want you to stand to your feet in honor of the word. And we're going to read from Galatians chapter five. And they're going to read from Ephesians chapter five as well. So Galatians chapter five, we're going to start in verse 16. This is the apostle Paul writing to the church in Galatia. Are you ready? Say amen. Verse 16. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you, you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Listen to this. He says, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the... And things like these, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then verse 22, he switches gears. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. All right, now we're going to fast forward to Ephesians chapter five, starting verse one here. Now Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and impurity or covetousness must not be named among you as it is proper among saints. There should be no filthiness or foolish talk, no court joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving for, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous 
that is an an idolater has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at any one time, you were darkness. For at one time, you were darkness. But now you are light in the world. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Church, let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. God, we thank you that your word is true. Lord, we thank you that that we can be filled to overflowing. So we ask that today as we look in your word, Lord, we pray that you would renew our minds. Your spirit would fill us today till we overflow. And we pray, Lord, that the fruit of that fullness, the fruit of that overflow would be evident to everyone around. We thank you for this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. The Apostle Paul wrote both of these letters. The letter to the Galatians is, is we think, the earliest uh, epistle that Paul wrote, earliest letter to the church. It was written a little bit before A.D. 50, before he goes to the Jerusalem Council. He's in Antioch when he writes it. He has um, he's established a church in Galatia. In southern Galatia, which is now modern day Turkey. He's established that church on his first missionary journey and he is writing to them because there have been subsequent missionaries come through that area. They were what we call Judaizers and they were trying to convince the people in Galatia that they also had to be circumcised to follow Jesus. To be, to be totally saved, you had to become not only a follower of Christ, but Jewish at the same time. So Paul's, Paul's main goal in this letter to the Galatian church is to combat that thinking, combat that teaching, and to tell them that, no, you're saved through faith in Christ. It's Christ alone. It's not by works. It's not, it's not a bunch of other things. Being circumcised doesn't make you any more saved. Then if we fast forward, he writes to the church in Ephesus, which he also established, which is also in what we would call modern-day Turkey. And he, he's writing to establish who they are in Christ. Now, the, the letter to the church in Ephesus is about 12 years later than the one he writes to the church in Galatia. He's now completed three missionary journeys. He's actually now under house arrest in Rome. It'll be his first imprisonment in Rome. It'll last about two years. And he's... He's writing things, these things about 12 years apart to two different churches, but he is saying the same thing. 
This is what sin will get you, and this is what the Spirit will get you. This is what will be the outcome of your life if sin is being poured into the cup, and this will be the outcome of your life if the Spirit is being poured into the cup. And so Paul, over, over a decade later, is writing the same stuff to a different church. We're going to lean in this for a second. Look back at your neighbor again and said, you're probably full of it. Tell him. I want to point out, first thing, is that your cup is not the source. So a lot of the, a lot of the coaching that happens nowadays, a lot of the counseling happens nowadays, is, is they say, well, everything you need is in you. Everything you need comes from you. It's just, you got to find it in yourself and I'm just going to coach you. It's already there. It's already, it's already good. You just got to dig it up a little bit. And I'm going to, I'm going to maybe go out on a limb today and argue against that. That what's in you may not be good. What's in you could be good. It all depends on where it came from. It all depends on where you've put, what the spout that you put your cup under And what we know as believers that there's only two spouts to put your cup under. There's no middle ground. There's no, there's no, uh, neutral. There's no Switzerland in, in the spiritual world. You either put your cup under the spirit or you put your cup under evil. There's only two spouts that we deal with. And so Paul's pointing it out. He says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So remember, he's writing to a church. So he's saying, you want to follow Christ, but if you keep, if you keep putting your cup under the spout, the wrong spout, evil is being poured into your life and it's a conflict that you're having. And then over a decade later, he would write to the Ephesians in chapter 6, verse 12. He would say this, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Paul was telling the church in Ephesus, hey, listen, we're in a battle, but it ain't with people. Now, now what the devil wants you to believe is that the person you're in a fight with is the person that's cut you off in, in the, in, while you're driving. It's they, the, the devil wants you to believe that your spouse is the problem. The devil wants you to believe that your boss is the problem. The devil wants you to believe that, that your job is the problem. Paul is saying that's not who we're wrestling with. Paul is saying there's a source of where that enmity comes from. He's saying we don't wrestle with people because people are cups. And the thing we're wrestling with is what's getting poured into the cup. So it's not, it's not you. It's not, it's not the, it's not the person you're wrestling with. It's evil. It's, it's, it's the, it's that we put our cup under the wrong spout. It's being poured in and that's causing the problem. So this is something we got to address. This is something we got to deal with. We're, we're being filled up with something. We're full of it. And a lot of times we're full of the wrong thing. So he's writing the church saying, hey, you got to understand what's going on here. Like there's a, there's a battle, a never ending battle that yes, we've been given the victory over, but the way that we've been given the victory over is to make sure that the right things are being poured into us. And so he's saying, 
He's saying, make sure you understand the source of where you get this. Make sure you understand. Make sure you understand this not, it, you don't just wake up in the morning and be somebody that you're not. You have to make a choice of what tap your cup goes under. And here's how we do it. Here's how we do it. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of um, kind of taking a self-assessment, being honest with yourself. Uh, I did it, um, did it a couple days on the phone, a couple days ago, I was telling a story to a pastor friend of mine on the phone and telling him, telling him that there was a season in my life where, where I had to sit down and make a self-assessment about some things that I had done that hadn't turned out very well. And in order for you to learn for, from it, I had to, I had to humble myself, humility. Anybody, is there anybody that actually likes that? I don't, I don't know that I like it. I know it's beneficial, but I don't know if I like humility. So, so I had to go through this process because something I did didn't work, flat out didn't work. And somebody else ended up being successful in a doing it a different way. And so I had to eat some humble pie and sit down and do a real old fashioned self reflection moment where I started looking at myself going, why, why, how did it turn out for them, but not me? And why didn't I think about that? And, and what was it about me that didn't, didn't let it happen? And is there something I could change about me? And there was, we are called by scripture, by God himself to take an assessment of what's overflowing in our cup. So I need you to, I need you to, I need you to erase some, some mentality here for a second that we have, because, um, we get the idea that we're a cup. Everybody gets that. If you, if you know the five love languages, all that stuff, um, uh, we're, we're a, we're a tank or a cup or a, a vessel that can be poured into. And what we've been taught is that we can be empty as a cup. And what we've been taught is that when we're empty, it can be very dangerous and, and that's not good. And we start acting crazy and all that stuff. And I would venture to say, I, I'm going to challenge that a little bit because I think we're all full of it. I think we're all full of something. And what happens is, is it's not that we're empty and that's why we're operating the way we are. It's that we're full and people are just experiencing what we're full of. So here, here's the way it, here's the way it typically happens. If I'm leaning in, if I'm, if I'm praying regularly, if I'm in the word, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm communing with God, if I'm doing all these things, which we'll get to in a second, if I, I'm filling myself up with things, I'm filling myself up with things. But if I'm not doing that, I'm also by definition, by, by default, filling myself up with something else. Maybe it's Netflix, maybe it's social media, maybe it's, because if you're like me, here, here's, here's where I think everybody can understand this. If you're not reading the Bible, it's not as if you're sitting there doing nothing. So if somebody asks you, do you read the Bible this week? You say, no. I said, well, what'd you do? I said, nothing. Really? Really, so for the 30 minutes you would have read the Bible, you sat there and you didn't think and you didn't do anything and you just, you were actually passed out. 
No, that's not the way it works. It's not the way it works. Because if I don't read the Bible, it's because I'm doing something else. I'm filling myself with something else. Well, we know, we, we all know what that is. We don't have to guess at it. We all know what keeps our attention. We all know what occupies our time. We all know that the screen occupies massive amounts of our time, that the, that the phone occupies massive amounts of our time, that all these things are, are fighting. Paul says they're fighting to keep us from doing what we, what we should be doing. And so it's not that I'm empty, it's that I'm full of something else. And what I'm full of ends up spilling out. So we have to assess what is running over. Now, Paul says the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. Can we just stop here? Our world is absolutely packed full running over with this right now. Amen? It is like Rome in Paul's time. It's like Ephesus in Paul's time. It's, it's running over with sexual immorality everywhere you look. It's not because we're empty. It's because we're full of evil. And he's challenging the church here. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. Come on. We're full of anger. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Then when he starts writing, that's just to the Galatians. Now when he starts writing to the Ephesians, he says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be named among you. As it is proper among saints, let there be no filthiness or foolish talk, no crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. So, He's saying to the church, you cannot fill your cup up with one thing and expect it to overflow with something else. It doesn't work. But here's what the church has tried to do. The church likes mixed drinks. (laughs) Not this church, but a church it used to go to. Likes mixed drinks. Mixed drinks, mixed drinks don't make you look like a drunk. Does it? Do you know what I'm talking? Not that I, I would ever know anything about this, but mixed drinks are the refined drink. It's something somebody worked on. So, so the church has been, gotten hooked on mixed drinks because if you just bring up, if you're drinking from a bottle of vodka, it looks like you got a problem. If you're drinking from a bottle of whiskey, it may look like you got a problem. But if you just pour a little bit in a glass with a little bit of something else and mix it up, it becomes acceptable. Oh, it's just a mixed drink. Now I'm going to get all kinds of emails saying, well, pastor's preaching against mixed drinks. Hear me out. When it comes to good and evil, Paul is making the case that the two don't mix. That there's a war raging that we're not calling for a ceasefire. We're not calling for a truce. Somebody has to win. In Ephesians 6, he says, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. That it is a war we're waging. Why? To cohabitate together with evil? No, no, no. To demolish it. To tear down every stronghold. So here's what he, here's what happens when the church 
starts drinking the mixed drink, we don't end up pouring over righteousness. We end up pouring over whatever's mixed. So here's the thing. If you mix a drink, if you mix a drink, let's say, uh, let's say whiskey and Coke. Let's say you mix them two together. And once you mix them together, it looks like Coke in the glass. But when you pour it out or when somebody takes a drink of it, nobody's going to say it's Coke. They're going to say it's whiskey because the whiskey overpowers the Coke. So what we have to understand is that the church can't play around. We can't do mixed drinks in the church because it doesn't, what comes out, people don't say, well, that's righteousness. That's the spirit that comes out. No, they say that looks like evil. Because it only takes a little bit of evil to when you overflow the cup to make it all look rotten. And so because of the, the need to be relevant and popular and, and, and trendy, we started mixing. We started going, oh, well, a little bit of that's okay. 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 Until when the cup overflows, it's not goodness and mercy and, and patience and kindness. It's not all those things that overflow. It ends up being the evil that people end up seeing. They're looking at the church and they're seeing this stuff flow out that doesn't look like Jesus. Because once you mix it together, once you mix it together, doesn't look like him anymore. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires, Paul would write. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passion. He said, you pulled your cup out from under the evil and you put it under the righteous spout. You put it under this Holy Spirit spout. You took it away from the devil and you said, I'm now filling it up with something else. Verse seven of what we read in Ephesians. Therefore not, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were, you were darkness. But now you are light in the world. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. If you're getting a mixed flow out, if one day you can do good and the next day you're just flipping out on everybody, check out what is going in. Assess what's going in. Be honest with yourself. You, you know what the problem with what most of us are? Man, we can pick it out of other people, but as soon as we turn it by, we can't be honest. We go, oh, it's not that bad. It's not, it's fine. It's not, I'm, I'm not, I don't have any problem. I don't know. Well, this is, you've flipped out every day this week. You can't break the addiction. You can't, you can't stop watching it. You can't stop pulling it up. You can't, it's, it's something that's not good. So Paul's begging the church, hey, break ties with it. Pull the cup out from under the spout. Pull the cup out from under the spout. Put the cup under something that's going to give you life. Put the cup under something that's going to fill you up. And when it fills you up into overflowing, it's going to be good stuff that overflows. Not this mixed bag. And so here's, listen to me, listen to me. You know what character is? Character is simply this. Knowing and determining what goes in and then knowing and determining what comes out. 
Character is simply being the same all the time. And in order to do that, I have to dictate which, which spout I put the cup under. So if I can, if I can put the cup under the right spout, if I could be full of the spirit, then I can anticipate what will overflow. Here's how this plays out. I've had a stressful week. Uh, you, you don't want to try me. I don't know what will happen. Uh, you know, uh, uh, when I get upset, I remember growing up watching the old school Incredible Hawk. You won't like me when I'm angry. At least he knew. The church should be able to anticipate what will come out under stress. We of all people who have the opportunity and the knowledge and the, and the access to put our cup under the spout of the Holy Spirit should be able to say, hey, in the most trying times, I know what's going to come out of this thing. I've been through the valley of the shadow of death and my cup is overflowing like we talked about last week. And so, listen, there's nothing to fear here. You don't have to fear me. We've been through the pressure. We've, we've been pressed on every side, as Paul would say. And we know what comes out of the cup. Why? Because we know what we put in it. It's not a mixed drink. It's pure Holy Spirit poured into us so that in times of difficulty, in times of prosperity, in times of strife, and in times of monotony, what comes out? Good. The fruit of the Spirit comes out. And I'm going to tell you something. Maybe you're sitting in here today and you're saying, well, Pastor Chris, I'm not going through anything bad. Well, what comes out when you're prosperous? That's just as important as what comes out when you're suffering. What comes out when you're prosperous? Do you, do you just start to covet things, you just, the materialistic things? No. If we poured the right stuff in, if the Holy, if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, then we can anticipate what will come out in every season of our life. And then, and then we can be counted on. Do you know why the world doesn't trust the church? Because we've been pouring out mixed drinks. Because we've been pouring out mixed drinks to everybody. When they needed righteousness, when they needed the truth, when they needed mercy, when they needed care, what they get? They got a little bit of it with a lot of devil. And now they don't know who to trust. But when the church starts pouring the real thing, when we put our cup under the spout of the Holy Spirit and he fills us to overflowing consistently, we're going to get it consistently, then the world can predict Hey, listen, when you push their buttons, good comes out. Good comes out. When it overflows, good stuff comes out of it. So what do we have to do? We have to know that that we're either being poured into by the Holy Spirit or by the devil or by evil. We have to do an assessment of what is currently coming out of our cups. We have to put it on the right spout, and then this is the imperative. You have to keep it running over. Verse 17, he says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. So he's writing to the church. Hey, don't, don't be loose like that. Don't get drunk with wine. Don't, don't, try, to, don't, don't try to numb your senses. He's saying... He's saying that for that is debauchery, it leads to all kinds of evil. 
Don't put your cup under that. And then he says this, but be filled with the spirit, but be filled with the spirit. Now, now the, the issue is you have to know, understand literally what Paul is saying here, because he's not saying fill your cup up once, fill your cup up once. He's saying it literally means go on being filled, go on being filled, go on being filled. So, uh, I got a funny story. <laughs> We went to uh, Disney one time as a gift, actually. When I was a youth pastor, um, a, a long time ago, our kids were little, and and the youth leaders in the youth group actually got us a trip to Disney. It was crazy. It was crazy. I haven't forgiven them for that for it, but it was a, a super generous gift. <laughs> so we take the kids to Disney, and uh, we're staying at a Disney resort, and we're you know doing the pool and the parks, and we're. And, and, and when you're, you're there, you eat in these cafeteria things. You eat in these cafeteria things with everybody else. So what happens is, um, is I go to the, I go to the soda fountain to get a drink. You know, they got these things all through the cafeteria. So I got, we got our cup. I got my cup and I'm going to go up to the soda fountain and get a soda. The trouble was there was this kid already up there. And, and if the soda fountain is at this level, like right here, you put your cup in it. The kid was about this tall. And so he's got a big cup, let's say 32 ounce cup. And he's holding it up above his head at the soda fountain, pushing on it. And he's just holding it there. And, and there's a Disney employee standing about 10 feet away from him. And the kid is holding it and the, and the soda's running in the cup and just running over like crazy. He's overfilling the cup, but he's not stopping. He's just holding it. And I was not full of the spirit that week. <laughs> so um, I'm looking at the guy who works at Disney and I'm thinking, where's this kid's parents? And why isn't somebody punishing him? And um, I have my form of what would happen, but I don't, you know, for the sake of, for the sake of church, we'll leave that alone. But he's, he's just holding it and soda's running out, running out, running out, running out. And the guy that worked at Disney is just standing there smiling at him. I guess you can't get in trouble at Disney. He's just smiling at him. And I thought, what the heck? I, I just left and, and went to another one. I thought, I'm going to get in trouble. So um, I think I did go back to the table. I was like, blah, blah, blah. So here's the thing. I don't know how the kid was. Let's say he was eight. That kid put his cup under that spout and held it. Because he believed the soda would keep coming out. The kid didn't understand that there was that thing was tied to something else. It was tied to something else. And it wasn't an unlimited supply. Maybe it is an unlimited supply at Disney. But he just thought, what's it matter? I just hold the cup under there and let it fill up. And then when it fills up, I'll keep holding it and let it run over. And he just kept standing there, holding it, holding it, holding it, holding it. And, and I, I was as furious as I was that day. God brought the back that to my memory this week. It was like a picture in my head. And he said, Chris, if you would come to me like a little kid, you remember Jesus said, unless you be born again, like a little child, 
Remember, he would tell the disciples, no, let them come. Let the little kids come to me. You got to be like a little kid. You got to be like a little kid. You can't be like a, you can't come to Jesus with all your rationale and all your experience. Because, because my, my rationale thinks, okay, that's enough. I don't need any more Jesus right now. I got things to do. I don't need any more Holy Spirit. I got things to do. I read the Bible enough. I prayed enough. I did all, I checked all the boxes. I did it enough. But God brought back that, that incident back to my memory. And he said, man, if you'd walk up to the spout like a little kid and just hold it every now and then, you'd realize that it won't run out. It's not, it's not me. It's me getting under the right source and allowing him to fill it up over and over and over. So Paul's writing to the Ephesians. He's saying, hey, don't let debauchery fill your life up. Be filled. Go on being filled with the Spirit. Regular communion with God ensures that our filling is ongoing. So why is prayer so important? Because you're putting it on the spout. If you pray for 15 minutes, you're going to get 15 minutes worth. If, if, if it's just nonchalant, like, well, I checked the box. This kid believed there was endless soda. Just, I'm going to hold it there. So why is prayer so important? Prayer is not to convince God to give you what you want, but to afford you an opportunity to get your cup filled. Prayer is so that he can fill us. Prayer is so that he can change my mind. Prayer is so that, so that I can win that battle in me. So that prayer is so I don't, I'm not a mixed drink anymore. You say, well, I don't know how to pray. You didn't know how to ride a bike the first time either. But it didn't keep you from getting on it. Nobody had a cell phone 30 years ago, but it didn't, didn't keep you from buying one. Just pray. Just say, God, I don't know how to do this, but I need to put my cup under the right spout right now. And I need your help doing it. Another thing, this is going to sound like an old school Sunday school class, but how about... The Bible study is filling our cup. Studying the Bible is filling us. It's God's word to us. It's inspired. The, the perfect word of God. It is what he wants us to know about him. And so how do we do it? We lean into it and we read it. If you read it 10 minutes. Remember the kid. I believe there's, there's, I can just hold it here. Can I just tell you this? I've never heard anybody say, well, man, I've read the Bible too much. I just read it too much. It's so boring now. I just read all of it. I studied all of it. It doesn't mean anything to me anymore. I've never heard anybody say that. Actually, the inverse is true. The more you read it, the more you realize how beneficial it is to read it and memorize it and apply it. That's what we do here on Sunday mornings. The majority of what we do here on Sunday mornings is look into the word of God and try to figure out how to apply it to our lives. It's filling us to overflowing. I just mentioned the church is a cup filling resource. The church is a cup filling resource. So if I'm, if I'm like, well, I'll just click it every now and then we're going to get a mixed drink. But if I'm committed, if I'm committed to a family of believers, to a community of believers. It's a cup-filling resource. 
So here's my challenge to you this morning. The band's going to come up. Here's my challenge. We're full of something. And the world is full of something. And it's overflowing on a daily basis. It is overflowing. You're overflowing at your work. You're overflowing at your house. You're overflowing with your kids, with your spouse. You're overflowing in school. You're overflowing. You're overflowing driving down the road. You're, what is in you is flowing out of you. And we have a, we have a choice of where we're going to put the cup. Where we're going to stick it. Where we're going to, what we're going to hold it under. Our world is holding the cup under the evil spout, just like the kid at Disney, just letting it run, 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 run. But we are not helpless in this. We can hold our cups under the spout that never ends, that, that, that never ceases, that we can just hold our spout and be renewed and restored and, and, and given victory over the things that you're wrestling with right now. But you got to put your cup under the right spout. It may mean you have to change your routine. It may mean you have to change who you're listening to. It may mean that you have to pray every now and then. It may mean that you need to crack a Bible. It, it may mean that you need to get serious about what you're pouring into your life. You can't pour evil in and expect good to come out. Paul said, we know what it looks like. And as the church, we got to stop this mixed drink thing. We got to stop it. We gotta put our cup under the source that never ends, that never dries up, and be continually, go on being filled with the Spirit. You know what that produces? Stand to your feet. It produces the things the world needs. It produces the things that your family needs. It produces righteousness. It produces overflow of the fruit of the spirit it produces the things that Jesus modeled for us I want to see a church that looks like that the fruit of the spirit is love joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, self-control I'm going to read that again. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Listen to this. Against such things, there is no law. You want to fix our community? Hold the cup under the Spirit. You want to fix our nation? Hold the cup under the Spirit. You want to fix the world? Hold the cup under the Spirit. You want to fix your family? Hold your cup under the Spirit of God and let Him pour out those things because you know what? You need no correction when that's flowing out of you. When the fruit of the Spirit is evident in your life, it said, against such things there is no law. There's no law. You become righteously predictable. You become righteously dependable. Oh, we push, you get pushed on a little bit, you know what's coming out. Why? Because you know what went in. And the overflow of your life looks like the spirit that was put in you. So I'm going to pray over this morning. If you just bow your heads, if you just bow your heads, I want to ask you this question. Everybody that walked in the room today, maybe you weren't here last Sunday, but 
preached a message last Sunday that salvation is enough. That Jesus is enough to save you. More than enough, overflowing. And so I, my prayer was that maybe some of you for the first time accepted him last week. Maybe some of you first time let him forgive you last week. But if you haven't, I pray that you do that today. I pray that you would allow Jesus to forgive you of your sins, that, that today you'd move the cup from the spirit of evil to the, to the Holy Spirit, to Jesus. Move that cup over and start letting him fill it. Let him forgive you. Let him set you free. Make that decision today to follow him. And if you're making that decision, let us know. Let Pastor Skip know or one of the team or fill out that card that says, I've decided today and, and drop it off. Drop it off at the tent or put it in the box. Let us know. We want to walk with you. We want to make you part of the community. But let me say this. If you're already a believer here today, if you're already a follower of Christ, I want to challenge you to figure out if you're making mixed drinks right now. Figure out if you're if you, if you haven't totally moved to the right spout and you can't predict what's going to come out when the thing overflows, my prayer to you today is you'd make a commitment to, you'd move the cup. You'd start, you'd start embracing the Holy Spirit. Do what Paul said. Don't keep doing those sinful things, but go on being filled by the Spirit of God. Start out today by praying this simple prayer, Lord, fill me. Fill me with your spirit. Come on, just say, fill me with your spirit, Lord. Fill me with your spirit to the point of overflowing so that all that comes out of me is you. So that all that comes out of me is you. Lord, I want to be predictable that when when the cup overflows, it's goodness that comes out. Pray that prayer. Lord, fill me this morning. I want to pray it over you today. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, we thank you that you're, that you're a spout that never dries. You, you have an endless supply of your goodness for us, of your spirit for us. And so, Lord, we're doing today what, what, you, what Paul encouraged the Ephesians to do, to be filled with your spirit. So I pray that your presence would do that right now. To everyone in the room who's asked, Lord, I pray that you fill them. To the point of overflowing, let them experience you maybe for the first time. Lord, fill them up, Lord, so they know what's coming out. Lord, I pray today they 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 take ground, they'd win, they'd be victorious in the battle with evil. Lord, I pray that you make them pure, that what overflows from their life is the fruit of the Spirit. We thank you for that this morning. All across the room, Lord, I believe people are being filled. We thank you for it, Lord. We give you praise, praise and honor because of what you're doing today. In Jesus' name. Come on, church, could you give him praise this morning? He's good. If you've been filled, give him praise this morning like you
guys, I just want to say to you, I encourage you, those watching online, I encourage you today to take an assessment of what spout your cup is up in. To not play with this. Stop serving, stop serving your family mixed drinks, stop serving your community mixed drinks. We want to be under the spout, the right spout. We want to be filled with the spirit so that we can know what's going to come out. We can, we can anticipate the good things that he fills us with will come out. It will be the overflow of our lives. So that's my prayer for you this week. Lean into this message. Be filled with the Spirit this week over and over and over again to overflowing and see how it impacts the people around you. We'll see you back here next week.